0: hey there friends welcome back to another episode of the bible in life podcast my name is john whitaker i'm the host and creator of the bible in life and super grateful for you glad you're joining me on this episode on this episode, we are launching a brand new series uh, where we're going to be just taking some of the key stories out of the book of Acts and just really reflecting on those. What do they teach us for following Jesus today? What do they teach us for being the church today? What do they teach us for a discipleship today? So reflections from the book of Acts for Following Jesus today. That's what we're going to start today. Before we jump into that, however, let me just mention to you the free ebook on my website called Bible in Life, same name as the podcast. And it provides 10 strategies for digging into the scriptures, 10 strat- strategies for hearing the Bible and heeding the Bible. That is for understanding it. How do we study it, dig into it, make sense out of it? And then how do we uh, interact with it and relate to it in such a way that it can begin to shape and form us deep from the inside out? as we seek to follow Jesus. So that's completely free. It's available on my website, johnwhitaker.net. Got an email recently from a man named Victor who lives in Melbourne, Australia. He teaches at a Christian school there. And he says he's been using the Bible in Life uh, ebook as a resource for um, for 15 and 16-year-old students in, in, in the school. And so, man, that's just super encouraging Uh, What a wonderful bit of news to hear that. And so I think it could be useful to you. And if it sounds like it might be, swing over to johnwiniker.net. Just scroll down a tiny bit. You'll see it there. Just put in your name, put in your email address, and you will get access to that ebook right there on the website. All right, let's jump into this new series on reflections from the book of Acts. And over the next few weeks on the podcast, we'll just walk through the book of Acts in Uh, chapter order. And we're just going to not hit every chapter, not hit every story, just hit a few, a handful of highlights from Acts that I think are really instructive to us and helpful to us. And so today we begin in Acts chapter 2. If you are familiar with the book of Acts, then you know that Acts chapter 2 is uh, what is often referred to as simply the day of Pentecost, or sometimes it's called the birthday of the church. Acts chapter 2 takes place about 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection. And it is one of the kind of highlights of the Jewish calendar. It's the day of Pentecost. So there was the great feast of Passover, and Jews would travel from all over the empire to be in Jerusalem for Passover. That was the weekend that Jesus was crucified and resurrected, was during Passover week. Well, Pentecost is another part of the uh, the ritual calendar for the Jews, the holiday calendar. And it came uh, later in the year, about seven weeks after Passover, 50 days uh, after Passover. And so that's where we're at in Acts chapter 2. And on this particular day the apostles and the believers and followers of Jesus, they've been waiting and watching and praying earnestly since Jesus had ascended a week and a half earlier. And he had told them that they will receive power when the Spirit is poured out upon them, and that power will enable them to be witnesses for him. And so they've been waiting and praying and watching for that. And then all of a sudden in Acts chapter 2, the big day arrives. Um, I think... That they were in the temple when this happened or, you know, somewhere associated with the temple, maybe in the temple courts, maybe in the south stairwell where all the people are going into the temple. I think that's where they're at. Some people think that they're in a house. Uh, The streets are just so narrow and the houses were tended to be so small. I just don't see that there's any possibility that they were in such a confined space. Uh, and then have the response that we see here in Acts chapter 2 and have that many thousands of people even able to to see and observe and hear them unless they're in a much more of a public area. So it makes sense that they're in the temple. Um, The the temple was frequently referred to as the house or a house, the house of the Lord. And so I think that's where they're at. Either way, that's not critical to our purposes for today. What happens on this occasion is the spirit uh, is poured out upon them, probably on the apostles. That seems to be the focus here. The spirit is poured out upon them and... Uh, they begin to speak in foreign languages that they should not have known, and or people at least began to hear them speaking in their own native tongues from all the places where they've traveled to, from all over the empire to be in Jerusalem for festival time. And uh, there's this great sound of a rushing wind. There's uh, little flames of fire that somehow kind of you know distributes amongst them, and so with with all this you know. Uh, audiovisual uh, extravaganza it draws a crowd, people are gathered together, and the apostles begin to speak and proclaim the mighty works of God, and people are hearing in their own native languages. That leads to Peter standing with the eleven, preaching really the first sermon uh, focused on Jesus and the resurrection, and he proclaims uh, Jesus as the Messiah and the Lord, and they crucified him. People want to know what to do. And at the end of the message, Peter gives the call to action. And he says, repent and be baptized each one of you for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He even says this promise that is the promise of the Holy Spirit is not just for them only, but it's for you. It's for your children and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord will call to himself. Well, the response to uh, Peter's message and that call to action was such that 3,000 people uh, were baptized on that day in the various pools near the temple and around Jerusalem, the Pool of Siloam and other places like that. Um, And so 3,000 people responded, uh, came to faith in Jesus, were baptized on that very day. And then what you get in the the last little bit of Acts chapter 2 is you get a description of church life uh, growing out of that. And so the apostles are filled with the Spirit. The promise of the Spirit is for all those who come to faith in Jesus. Um, And so people are baptized into Christ. Spirit is given to them. And we get this description then of, well, what's the effect of that? What's the fruit of that? When people enter into Christ and are filled with the Spirit, what happens? you could almost call what is described at the end of Acts chapter 2 is, here are the indicators, the marks of spirit-filled church life, spirit-filled community life in the new family of God being formed in Jesus. And so let me just read down through the last handful of verses and kind of comment as we go and just draw out a few little implications for us as we think about the priorities of our churches today and the marks of the Spirit's work in the lives of God's people in our churches today. That's the focus here that I want us to think about as we reflect on this from Acts chapter 2. So I will pick up reading in Acts 2 verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so here is the birthday of the church, and it it uh, is you know, born with, with flair, 3,000 people immediately drawn into the new family of Jesus here in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. And then Luke, the author of Acts, goes on to describe it like this. He says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Uh, one a scholar in his commentary on Acts refers to these as uh, the, like for the four priorities of of the early church, the four priorities of a church. If we're going to be a church like uh, this church, here's our four priorities. The first is the apostles teaching the apostles teaching that is not just the apostles themselves doing the teaching but what the apostles taught we've got to be rooted in that grounded in that marinated in that saturated in that notice they devoted themselves to these four priorities and so they devoted themselves to what the apostles taught we need to do the same sort of thing we need to immerse ourselves in the uh, the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John that's the teaching of the apostles we need to Uh, root ourselves and uh, shape ourselves by the letters of the New Testament, Um, Paul's letters and Peter's letters and John's letters. These are the teachings of the apostles. And so they were uh, devoted to that. That's priority number one. They were devoted to fellowship. And the word fellowship doesn't just mean occasional, like hanging out together. Fellowship is this idea of deep-seated partnership. This commonness is the basic idea of the word, like you, you're, you, you're, you're joined together and you're partners in this thing and you're, you're connected deeply in this. And they were devoted to that, to spending time together, uh, to encouraging one another, to building each other up, right? They were, they had, They in fact, we'll read here shortly. They actually shared their possessions. They had so much in common with each other. And then to the breaking of bread. Um, and that includes sharing meals together. Again, we'll see that shortly in the description that follows. They ate together regularly, so they they ate together. But I think here it probably also includes... Uh, the Lord's Supper together and commemorating Jesus and his death and resurrection and, 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 and remembering him in this moment of this kind of central part of their breaking bread together that we know that was a central part of the early church. And so breaking bread together. And then they devoted themselves to prayer or to the prayers that they they prayed together and they they went to the hours of prayer in the temple to pray together. And and so they were devoted to that. So those four priorities are some of the first marks uh, of a church that is full of the spirit. When God's spirit comes in, here's four priorities that should shape our church life together. And then the text goes on And it says this, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place specifically through the hands of the apostles. And then it goes on like this and says, and all those who had believed, so now all those who have believed, they're in Christ, they've been baptized, they're full of the Spirit, they were together, literally Uh, They were upon the same things, and they had all things in common. That's a connection to fellowship. They had all things in common. And what does that mean? Well, keep reading. And they began selling their property and their possessions, and they were sharing them with everybody as anyone might have a need. So they're selling off extra property, extra possessions. They're taking that money, and they're using that to take care of uh, the needy among them. And day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. Again, taking meals together, right? They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So the people of Jerusalem who aren't believers are impressed by this and are being impacted by their life together. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So notice all the things that these new believers were doing for each other and with each other. They had all things in common. They were selling and sharing their property with each other. Uh, this sh- uh, sharing with each other we know from here and in follow-up stories in the early chapters of Acts was voluntary. It wasn't forced. It wasn't mandated. This was just something that they were compelled and moved to do as the Spirit moved in amongst them. They were moved to act like this. And so they were, they were sharing their possessions with one another. They were worshiping together in the temple. They were praising God. They were eating together and sharing meals together regularly. And so as we see all this, What we really see here are like four effects of, or four features of, spirit-filled community life. When God's Holy Spirit is poured out in the new family of Jesus, what are the effects of that? What do they do? Well, what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is, we see deep, deep unity. Like they were upon the same things, and they had all things in common. We also see generosity, that they were selling their property and their possessions and sharing with each other as anyone had a need. So there was deep generosity. So unity and oneness, generosity and sharing. There was companionship. They were spending time together and eating together and sharing their meals together and worshiping together. So there was deep companionship with that. And there was also growth. The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So more people were being drawn into this community because the community was so attractive and so powerful and was so countercultural. Where people that that had means were actually getting rid of their extra so they could take care of those who didn't. Who didn't hardly have enough to live on. I'm like, that's counter cultural in their culture, as well as just about any other culture. And, and because this community life was so unique and so beautiful and so attractive, the Lord was using it and drawing more and more people into the community, into Christ. And so uh, I see there the, those kind of four qualities of spirit filled community life unity, generosity, companionship, and growth. And this really paints a challenging and compelling picture for us of what our church life really ought to be like. It's not just a service on Sunday, and sadly we've almost reduced it to that, but that's not primarily what it is. It's supposed to be this life together in some sort of way. Uh, A man by the name of Sherwood Wirt. Once wrote this, he said, I have learned that there is no point in talking about strong churches and weak churches, big churches and little churches, warm churches and cold churches. Such categories are unrealistic and really besides the point. There's only a loving church and an unloving church. And in a real sense, I think that's really, really crucial for us to think about. And what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is very much a loving church, a church that was loving God with worship and praise, and a church that was Loving people, not just in words, but tangibly and practically in the way they ate their meals together. And they invited people who, who maybe they would have never associated with before into their homes and they ate with them. They sold off some of their extra property and possessions so that they could take care of these new brothers and sisters who didn't have enough to live off. That's a loving church. And Sherwood Word is saying, I've learned that that's really what matters is the, the mark of an effective, healthy, vibrant church is love. When we love God, And when we love people the way Jesus has loved us, that's the mark. In fact, that's what Jesus said in John chapter 13, right? He said, they will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And in Acts chapter 2, that's exactly what we see happening. And I think that's why the Lord could use that to draw people to himself, to add people, because like something's different about them. They will know you're my disciples by the unique and powerful way in which you love one another. And so, what we see here in Acts chapter 2 is that uh, the church is, are the people, that's the people of the living God, the people among whom God is going to move in by his spirit among them. And when that happens, it changes everything. Um, it changes how they spend their time and how they use their money and how they relate to people, all kinds of people across the socioeconomic spectrum. And so, we must remember. That we as the church are the temple of the living God. And the marks of that will show up practically in our life together. In fact, we see it here. Uh, and one... one. Um, one expert said it like this, that one of the very first tests of discipleship to Jesus is the radical change in one's relationship to money and finance. And we see that here, right? Like it changes things what God dwells in among us. And so if you and I are filled with the Spirit, it will show up in the way we interact with one another in the body of Christ. It'll show up in our our purity and our unity and our joy and our worship and our interaction with one another. And all of that will be used by God to draw people to Jesus as we see here. And so uh, that's my first reflection out of the book of Acts is what does it look like to be a church where God's spirit is having his way? Well, it looks like these four priorities of apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And it looks like these four effects of unity, generosity, companionship, and growth. May it be True among us. There's probably more we could say out of this, but that's enough for now. May it be so of us that we would be like that. And those of us who are responsible for shepherding and leading churches, may we humble ourselves before the text, prayerfully considering, what are we pouring our energies and our time in? Is it, is it, um, is it fostering this kind of culture? Is it fostering these kinds of effects? Is it focused on? these priorities. May we continually revisit the text for us to really think that through so that we could actually be a church where the things, the priorities of God are the things that get focused on and get emphasized. All right, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Pray that it's encouraging to you and helpful to you. The Bible in Life is a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible teaching ministry that's made possible by the generous support of all sorts of people just like you. So thanks a ton for your support. And at this stage in the ministry, we could really use increased support as the ministry continues to grow. Uh, There's more needs, and one of those needs is... For more help for me, because I've pretty much been doing almost everything by myself, and I really met a point where I need some admin help, got somebody working with me and helping me a little bit, uh, I could use them a whole lot more if I had the funds uh, to pay them. And so if you want to join the team of supporters, feel free to swing over to johnwhitaker.net, click the Give button. And that'll direct you to a page where you can set up a one-time or a monthly recurring donation through World Family Mission, a registered nonprofit uh, that provides financial support and accountability for this ministry. So I invite you to prayerfully consider that and see if the Lord is leading you to become a partner and supporter of this ministry. Hey, thanks a ton for tuning into this episode. May God bless you as you seek Him. I look forward to Uh, thinking through some more reflections from Acts with you next week. God bless.